You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. This episode is brought to you by FX's The Veil, starring Elizabeth Moss. FX's The Veil is an international spy thriller that follows two women as they play a deadly game of truth and lies on the road from Istanbul to Paris and London. One woman has a secret and the other has a mission to reveal it before thousands of lives are lost. FX's The Veil, now streaming only on Hulu. This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe. Every day at Sax.com. So you waited in line forever to see the infinity rooms. And they were about the size of a coat closet. And then once you got in, you had 30 seconds in each infinity room, which was so sad. And there was like no recording that warns you. It was just like, open the door and you're out. Um, (laughs) So you get to experience infinity and the never ending for 30 seconds or less. (laughs) Which was so like it. It was the most calming experience, like to be in the actual infinity room and seeing it um, and experiencing it. However, like getting to it was stressful and a half like um because of the lines and stuff but see see, to me just that that many dots and reflections sounds like a nightmare i mean like i I, i've seen the pictures and stuff it seems it looks cool and stuff just for me like infinite is a nightmare the other thing is like i just i'm all for like artists artists being a little bit pretentious i don't know if you know this i'm a little bit pretentious myself but like (laughs) she refers to it as like infinity nets like even i have to call a timeout at a certain point and just be like it's polka dots so do you know why she is so obsessed with dots I do know why. Okay. I do know why. Sure. And I know why I'm a monster for saying that. But. I feel like who art ed. Who art is Mr. Wood art ed me. Either way, it, it's ambiguous. It works on so many levels. I know. That's off to a great start. Welcome to Who Arted, where we explore visual arts in an audio medium. I'm your host, Kyle Wood, and with me today is Emily Fiedler, the art teacher at Elmwood Elementary. Thanks for joining me. Yeah, I'm so happy to be here. <laughs> So today we are talking about Yayoi Kusama, the contemporary Japanese artist. Um, And we're going to start off with just a little bit of background. I know you've seen her work. Do you know much about her background? Um, Yes. The the exhibit was organized kind of like historically so that you started her earliest work and then saw more current as you went through. Um, She was born in Matsumoto, Japan. Um, and she moved to New York in 1957 and she studied art in Japan, but it was very traditional from what I understand. And she really sort of hit her stride when she came to New York and it was a little bit more freeing. Yes. Um, and she was actually inspired by Georgia O'Keeffe to come over to America. She saw her work and wrote to her and Georgia O'Keeffe actually followed up. They were kind of pen pals. Yeah, Georgia O'Keeffe was Georgia O'Keeffe was awesome. Georgia O'Keeffe, if you do, if you need another reason to love O'Keeffe, I know um, she like she not only like was encouraging in the correspondence. From what I understand, she gave her business advice, and even when uh, Kusama like was 
on hard times financially because of like hospitalizations and stuff like that, O'Keefe had her art dealer buy a number of pieces from Kusama. Oh, I had no idea about that. That's awesome. Yeah, I know. I know. Like just an, another awesome thing about O'Keefe. Um, so Kusama came over and it seems like from everything I've read, it seems like she was making contacts and like a savvy business person and getting herself into the art world like right away. Um, you know, she was not only was she corresponding with O'Keefe, but I think uh, was it Donald Judd maybe yeah. uh, was an early supporter of her work and things like that. And she like her work was largely um associated with a little bit of pop, but also minimal minimalism. And there's like a psychedelic element to it as well. Um, it's kind of an interesting fusion of things that were, were happening in like the mid to late uh, 20th century. So it really sort of like hit at just the right time when sort of the hippie movement was happening and the counterculture feminism. And, and her work has a lot of that sort of critique and, and she aligned herself with a lot of those social movements. Yeah, uh, politically involved. And um, additionally, with the pop artist movement, she was friends friends and foes with Warhol too. Um, and they kind of worked together at a point, but then he ripped off one of her like repeating wallpapers, the cows. Of course he did. Yeah. So of course he they did. are no longer friends at that point, which is sad, but I don't know. I mean, <laughs> if you're friends with, if you're friends with O'Keefe and you get Warhol out of your life, it seems like he's coming out ahead <laughs> on that one. I guess. I would choose to keep over Warhol any day. Oh, certainly, certainly. Um, now, one of her most famous things is what she refers to as her infinity nets, the, the dots that are the re- recurring motif. And from what I understand, that even go, like, goes back to her childhood. She grew up, her family had a nursery, like a nursery growing, like plants and things like that. And the way I understood it was she was the repetition of dots sort of started with visualizing like cells and things like that, um, plant cells. And we just see it everywhere. And it is her way of sort of making sense of infinity as well as handling her mental health, um, struggles and things like that. Um, because she did not have the best childhood. I, I, I hate to dwell on the problems, but I think it is worth mentioning that like, you know, she did have a, a very difficult, uh, childhood growing up, her mother was very, very strict and, you know, not only strict in expecting her to be more traditional in terms of the culture, but um, it was a, an abusive situation that, that she thankfully got out of. You know, I, I always like to to think about this, not because of the horrible things that happened in her life um, and, and see her just as a victim, but like she's she's resilient. She is strong. She broke away from that. She got away from from a, a horrible and difficult situation. And she found multiple ways of overcoming that and and transcending it, um, not just with her the therapeutic aspects of her art, but, you know, she also sought medical treatment when necessary um, to to move beyond those things that that were so difficult early in her life. And she still is um, she still struggles with and is moving past the long term effects that that has. She constantly wanted to escape, though, throughout that childhood and um, 
she grew up on the nursery, like you said, and she wanted to know what was beyond the mountains and within the mountains. Um, so her goal of getting out was always within her mind. Um, that's terrible. <laughs> it's not a complete no, it's, thought. Um, no, it's 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 totally true though. Like getting yeah. getting out was on her mind yeah. as rightfully it should have been. And in some ways art was an escape. It was also her means of getting out. Mm-hmm. Like not not just sort of um dissociating and and escaping mentally, but like physically getting out. She moved from Japan to New York. One of the things I want to pick up on though there that I, I heard you say that I thought was really, really interesting and goes to the heart of this was you talked about her wanting to see what's beyond the mountains and in the mountains. And I feel like there's this inside and outside um characteristic to her work where she's exploring a little bit of like cells and underlying structures that make things up, but also the infinite and what is far beyond with her her reflections and and the infinity rooms and things like that. Yeah. So within her exhibition, there were a couple video clips that she created and it was everything is a dot. And just that thought for me, um, thinking about it artistically and just generally is overwhelming um, to the point that I, it makes me rethink the world. And I think that's what makes her such an amazing artist is because of how literally she has rethought uh, thought the world to the point of a cell. Um, and then the vast universe of dots beyond us. So, and that goes back to her studying the plants and within the nursery and from cells to seeds to small, um, small plants and then their full grown potential. I, I, I see that and I, yeah. I get what you're saying. I, it's, it's funny to me though. Like that's, that's exactly why I cannot stand like, <laughs> like, <laughs> like for me and, and this is, I guess, revealing of me personally, like one of my earliest like memories of childhood was like nightmares of like just infinite and like trying to wrap my head around it. Like you talked about how it's like just that mind blowing aspect of it. And it's like, and to me it feels just overwhelming and like horrifying. It is like the stuff of my nightmares to be like just seeing, looking out into the abyss, you know, and seeing that infinite reflection of dots and stuff like that. I Um, totally understand. I guess I, the way that she has conveyed it within the infinity rooms and using light, um, makes it a lot more comforting to me when, when I see it and almost like a more elegant version of infinity in a way. Yeah, I, I could see, I could see what you mean there. This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe. Every day at Sax.com. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. 
with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Um, and I guess at this point, it might be sort of a natural time for us to shift over towards like talking about one specific piece and looking at, you know, the infinity rooms, I feel like are just such a popular thing right now. Um, not just because they look great on Instagram, but because it is this overwhelming immersive experience that you and I obviously have different reactions to. But um, specifically, I'm looking at Love is Calling from 2013, which is one of her infinity rooms. And, you know, to, to describe what an infinity room is, I think we have to start with just like literally what's in there. It is a mirrored room so that on every wall you're seeing reflections and, you know, reflection of a reflection of a reflection. So it just, it, it appears to go on forever. And inside of that room, she has her artwork. In this case, it is like neon soft sculptures illuminated with, with her characteristic, um, infinity nets known to the rest of us as polka dots. Um, <laughs> and I guess I'll let you go first. I mean, what do you want to say? What are you seeing in the piece? I, I guess when I'm comparing this to her other infinity rooms that are less colorful, um, uh -huh. I'm seeing an extreme fantasy here. Um, this is the stuff of my childhood dreams and nightmares where it is very almost Alice in Wonderland like and has a lot more whimsy to it because of the colors associated with it um, and the soft shapes. They almost look like, I, it reminds me of octopus tentacles like at first glance. And I think if a kindergartner was looking at this, they would also think the same thing. They wouldn't go to the deep meaning of infinity and um, what these soft sculptures could mean in terms of like her childhood and her life and the story she's attempting to tell through this. Yeah. The, the tentacles, I, I definitely get that sense because the, the, it does feel like tentacles because they're, they're sort of cylindrical, but they're organic and twisting forms. Right. And so they're coming up from the floor and down from the ceiling. And it does have that feel of like an octopus grabbing hold of the room or, you know, alien creatures or something like that. The polka dots are all over the place and she uses light brilliantly. I believe, um, it's actually, they're, they're illuminated with color changing like LEDs. So it, it's not consistently a green or a, or a magenta tentacle. It, it changes over time. And, um, the love and love is calling one. She's, she's really engaging all of the senses because also there is an audio loop that is playing with, um, her reading a poem, um, a poem that she wrote and it, it's all just sort of going on, on that, that loop expressing, you know, her message of love through her art and trying to create something that will just envelop the, the viewer. Like I, I, I think this is one of the stronger uses of installation art that I've seen where like as much as I personally would not enjoy time in this space, like it's not, it's not my thing. I think very it is well. Very short time. <laughs> <laughs> very short time because they're very popular. Yes. Um, but 
but because it is something that like other people do do respond to because it is so well crafted in that idea of um, like just isolating you in in this space and creating like you know a, a space that does like I say it takes over all your senses you're seeing things you're 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 aware of your space and it's surrounding you it's that immerse it's an immersive experience that you can't get from a painting or video and i also think like the bright colors and subject matter in this um room is really um able to relate to a lot of different people that necessarily aren't maybe the most art literate, um, to those that are more. So, so if everyone that, everyone that immerses themselves within this room can take a different message. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Like as, as a child of the nineties, I just look at this and think like, that is rad. Yeah. (laughs) It's so open to interpretation. Yeah. And I, I think that is, you know, sort of her work at its finest, where it creates these different levels for you to enjoy just the aesthetics, just the look of it, as well as like that that deeper sort of meditative level where it starts to get you thinking about your place in the cosmos and and meaning and structures that connect to everything. And um, and, and now I just want to curl up and. <laughs> uh, but. Yeah, I mean that is that is what she's going for in these in- infinity rooms. Is she is trying, and that's what in that's what a good installation does. It immerses you in the art world. It it puts you into another space. It transforms the world that you're stepping into. And I'm wrapping it up. I want just a three point rating scale. And where should this hang? The Louvre. Is this something to look at? The lab. the lab. Is this something to learn from? Or the loot. British for the bathroom. Yeah, there's a poop joke in there somewhere. Oh, that's terrible. Where do you think this piece belongs? Um, I definitely don't think it's a waste. Um, I would put it in the lab. I would give it a two because um, I think of the Louvre as very much like high art um, and very classical. And while I think that in in history and in time, this will make a place there, I think right now artists and um, makers need to currently learn from this and um, begin to have their own spinoffs and interpretations of this new immersive way of creating installation. That's fair enough. I mean, I think it is a strong installation. I think there is stuff to learn from, but I would actually put it in the Louvre. I would put it in the Louvre because... As much as I personally do not enjoy this experience, and I don't want to think about the meaning behind it because it makes my brain hurt, um, I will say as a sensory experience, it is something that a lot of people would enjoy. It is very aesthetically pleasing. And I hear you saying like you think, you know, the Louvre, you think of high art and and all of that sort of stuff. I, I personally see the Louvre as I see any other visual arts museum as a place to put stuff for us to look at and enjoy. And I think the art world needs stuff that is fun to look at and enjoy. And and something is not a higher art form because it is older and because it is, you know, classical. I think her work 
it is visually pleasing. It is, it is strong. It is, it is something that people enjoy. And, you know, it, the colors on this are rad. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's fun. It is fun to look at. It's not fun for me to think about, but it is fun to look at. And, and that's what I feel like the museums are for, um, is for stuff that is fun to look at. And the Louvre could stand to be a little bit less pretentious and a little less high art and a little bit more, more enjoyable with things like infinity nets. Very true. Can I change my answer to a two and a half? (laughs) 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 Like in between, like a museum, the the Met, the Museum of Modern Art, not the I I don't even, but I don't think of it as a hierarchy. Like I don't think Ah. it's one is higher than the other. Like I don't think, I don't, I don't see, no, I think it's a different purpose. And that's what I'm going at. It's not so much like the rating of like, you know, something in the Louvre is better than something that's for the lab. Like right. I think some art is to see and appreciate and some art is to think about and learn from. And I don't think one purpose is better than another. Like I don't think something that just is enjoyable to look at is, is shallow. I think it's just enjoyable and that can be a perfectly fine end of itself. So that's all I got. Uh, yeah. That's all I got. <laughs> um, so thank you so much for joining me. I really appreciate your taking the time. Yeah, it was so I just talking about art with another adult is a very fun way to spend my time. So thank you for having me. <laughs> thank you. It's, it's nice to have someone else I can nerd out with. This concludes this week's episode of Who Arted? If you found this tolerable, please like and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening. You can find images of the work being discussed this week and every week in the show notes on Twitter at WoodArtEd and on the website whoartedpodcast.com. Podcast done.